This is the RTI Press Pass with Rick Butler, Ryan Shumpert, and Jack Foster. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass podcast. My name is Rick Butler. To my right, that's Jack Foster. To my left, that's Ryan Shumpert. Hey, it's a Saturday, which means we are back in the press box. We are overlooking an empty stadium right now, and this time... We are following number 21 Tennessee's 33 to 27 win over Kentucky right here in Lexington. Tennessee moves to six and two on the year, three and two in SEC play. Jack, I'll start with you. Just kind of from a super broad perspective, we're going to really narrow this thing down here soon. But from a really broad perspective, what do you think about this game? Yeah, broad perspective is the game didn't go as we thought it would. It was a high-scoring affair. I mean. You know, not really a big high-scoring affair. It was only 33-27, to 27, but when you think about it, Tennessee had, you know, seven scoring drives, four field goals, and three touchdowns, and Kentucky was able to move the ball really well through the passing game. We just expected it to be an old-school-style football game, both teams <laughs> leaning on the run. Kentucky didn't do that at all. Tennessee shut down Ray Davis and Kentucky's run game. They lived and died by the pass tonight, and Devin Leary had a good game, so... Just a lot of points going on. It was more reminiscent of the 2021 Tennessee at Kentucky game than what we thought. Definitely, and you're right. I said, you know, going into the week that I didn't, going into the game that I just didn't feel like I had a great feel for what was going to happen in this one. But certainly, that what we saw was not what I expected in a lot of different ways, and it felt like a game that kind of had a little bit of an odd flow to it. And Jack hit the nail on the head about a lot of the stuff that was surprising, and I'm sure we'll touch on that more, but. One thing that really stands out leaving the game, Josh Ivel talked on Thursday about with Kentucky's pace of play and the way they want to run the clock, how every possession is going to be very, very valuable in this football game. And that's exactly how it felt. And uh, every possession was really, really maximized and felt extremely, extremely important. And to Jack's point, that's how you have a game that's 33-27 and feels really, really high scoring in modern college football. Yeah, no doubt about it. Guys, let, uh, the first thing that I want to kind of start by talking about today is Tennessee came into this this game with a plan to run the ball. We knew that Tennessee was going to want to run the ball. We knew that they were going to have the ability to run the ball, and they did. It looks like right here, Tennessee ran for 253 yards versus Kentucky 72. That was a, That's a big one to me. Tennessee came in with a game plan, and they were able to execute that game plan. Certainly, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> kind of, I feel like we're going back to the A&M game, but you know, you told me Tennessee out outrushed Kentucky two fifty four to seventy two. I would have told you Tennessee just dominated this game. Yeah. If you told me Kentucky ran for seventy two yards, I just said this would is not going to be a competitive game. Kentucky cannot hang with Tennessee if they only rush for seventy two yards. But lo and behold, I mean, that certainly wasn't the case. And Kentucky made a lot of plays, throwing the ball through the air. Uh, I thought Liam Cohn, the Kentucky's offense coordinator, did some good things to kind of put Tennessee in bad spots defensively, and certainly they took advantage of it. And It felt like in the first half as Kentucky had success throwing the ball. It was like, all right, this will probably kind of open things up for the run, but continually, you know, Kentucky tried to have some semblance of balance in the second half, but they just never got anything yeah, no. going in the run game. And 16 for 42 yards for Ray Davis, that's, that's not a number uh, he's had all season, and I'd, I'd be pretty surprised if we see that type of number again from him. Yeah, kind of crazy. I think Ray Davis came into this game averaging 7.8 yards per carry. He had 16 carries tonight, only averaged 2.6 yards per rush tonight. That just shows how good Tennessee's rush defense was. 
And then on the flip side, Devin Larry had the best game of his career since, like, November of 2021. I mean, you take into account all year last year. Of course, so far this season, he had 30, 373 passing yards. That shattered his season high. And when you look at SEC play, this were his yardage totals against the other three opponent, four opponents. 120, 128, 69, 205. So Devin Larry was much better than he's been all season, and I think that's because Tennessee secondary did not have a good night without Kamal Haddon their first game without him. Maybe we underestimated the impact of Haddon's loss would be, but now we know and we saw it tonight. Certainly, I, I think that's definitely a big part of it, and to go along with that, it felt like Tennessee went back to playing a ton of zone tonight. Uh, it felt like They stacked the box. Heifel said so. Yeah. Yes, but since the Florida game, uh, Tennessee had played a lot more man coverage. It, it felt like they went a lot of zone tonight, and I'd be curious to see the numbers of percentage of plays Kentucky's ran empty formation yeah. this season compared to what they did tonight. It felt like they ran a ton of empty, knew Tennessee was going to play zone, and just took the short, quick hitters in six, seven, eight-yard gains and moved the ball to the field that way. The other part of it, uh, Tennessee pass rush, the least effective it's been all yep. season. Uh, Josh Heupel, Zach Sam answers last week uh, when asked about the officials more broadly. This week he was just asked about why he didn't think his pass rush would get home. Uh, he declines the answer, which would indicate he, he thought a lot of missed holdings. There were certainly some, um, but again, it wasn't like Tennessee was constantly in the backfield uh, or you know constantly closing in on Devin Leary. If anything, I feel like there were a number of plays Tennessee brought a lot of pressure and didn't get particularly close uh, to Leary. Yeah, Kentucky's offensive line played really well. And, you know, I thought Tennessee's defensive line would, or, you know, pass rush would be able to have an effect, but, you know, it just, it just wasn't working tonight. But, you know, we go back to Tennessee's style of defense, and this Josh Heupel era has been but don't break. And, Rick, they certainly did that quite a bit. Yeah, you know, I, I thought there were times in the game, and, you know, you let up, what, 27 points, and that's certainly a pretty big number. But there were a couple times throughout the game where, where Tennessee's defense kind of hunkered down when they needed to, uh, and that was good to see. But sort of going back to that Texas A&M game, you saw a really defensive-heavy team sort of bail out the offense, only being able to score, what, 20 points, and seven of those yep. came late in the game. We kind of go back to a more traditional Josh Heupel team here, right? The offense bailing out the defense a little bit more, able to get that last touchdown when it mattered most. And uh, I, to me, look, you get to this point in the season where some teams are trending up, some teams are trending down. Kentucky on now a three-game losing streak. This was a game that Tennessee needed to win to be able to keep everything still in focus uh, at a critical point in the season. No doubt. It was a super, super important game to both teams and one that kind of keeps Tennessee's season afloat in a lot of ways. But so you're not going to go win the SEC, so at least I don't think so. But still, a big win as they move in to November. They finally get a little bit of breathing room for the first time since the open date tomorrow, or next week when they play UConn. So that was big and certainly a huge win for Tennessee. And what, you know, one thing I'm just kind of thinking about is Tennessee gets its sixth win tonight, become bowl eligible. You know, so many years, that's like, oh, like a big deal. Tennessee, they got bowl eligible. 2021, it was 2021, it was a big deal. 2019, yeah. it was a big deal when it happened when Pruitt was there. And, heck, you probably have to go all the way back to 2016. I guess they didn't make a bowl in 18 and 17. 16 was like the last time where it wasn't a big deal when Tennessee uh, made a bowl, obviously, last year as well, too. So, uh, this team has a lot of flaws. It's not perfect by any means. Uh, we saw that tonight. We've seen it just about every time they hit the field. But, uh, certainly, program still in a, a much better place than Heupel inherited it, and 
two, really four big games to, to close the season, but two big games uh, that I think will probably leave the, the lasting taste in people's mouth of, of how the season went. Guys, one one player or aspect that I really want to kind of expand on, figure this thing out a little bit, is Joe Milton. Had some really, really nice throws. I think some of the best of his season so far. I'm just thinking of a couple off the, off the top of my head. There was a play in the fourth quarter where he was rolling to the right, off balance, and was able to throw it cross body back to his left. That was able to sink right there. There was another play with uh, time winding down in the second quarter, I believe, where he throws it to Ramel Keaton on the sideline. They go back to review it, but it's yeah. upheld. And that was a that was a ridiculous pass, right? That just had a lot of juice on it, and it was accurate in the right place. Ron, what did you think of Joe Milton's overall performance today, uh, leading Tennessee to the win? I don't have the stats right here in I front of him. me. Uh, go for it. 18-21, 228 yards passing, one touchdown, no interceptions. Uh, on the ground, he added 26 yards on 10 carries. One or two sacks in there? I want to say maybe two. Um, so some negative plays. And I think as a whole, it would have to be the best game he's played, at least this season. Again, Tennessee ran the ball so well that they didn't ask him to do a ton. But so many of the things that he struggled with, this season, making plays on the run. You just mentioned he had a couple big ones in this game. Uh, and then just situationally, I thought he was really good. And I, I do think it was a design play, but Tennessee's touchdown, last touchdown drive of the game that was a just a huge moment for Tennessee to get it in two possessions, and especially the fact that they did it in the red zone, something they hadn't done to that point in the game. Big third and, and eight that they hit the little quick pass to Dylan Sampson out of the mm-hmm. backfield. He gets the first down on just decisive, uh, good read by Milton. And then uh, I think the, the play that... It will lead my lasting, uh, will last me the longest for Milton in this game. Is so many times this season, you know, I've had, I feel like I've said to you guys in the press box or maybe on here, just man, Joe Milton's awareness is just so bad. Like, <laughs> it, it just awareness is not good. And in a huge, huge play tonight, third and seven, Tennessee trying to ice the game, he runs, gets the first down, is right on the sideline, and is able to slide in bounds to run the clock uh, instead of the clock having to stop. And then obviously, uh, with the 10-second runoff uh, for Kentucky having an injury a couple plays later, that was the difference in Tennessee kicking a field goal that would have effectively put the game away. But if they miss it, uh, then Kentucky you know, has 30 seconds to try to make something happen. Instead, uh, that basically officially ended the game because Milton was able to get down. Yeah, as you all said, this is not a guy, Milton, that we think can make these off-schedule type throws and that can you know, improvise, like Hinden Hooker could do so well. And I thought Joe Milton did that a couple of times tonight really well. Ryan mentions the third and seven run. The big play to Dante Thornton yeah. was really impressive. I believe you said probably his best throw of the year, definitely up there. So Milton was really good tonight. And just, you know, only three incompletions, a really complete performance, I thought, from him. And then at the end, I know it was a lot of passes to Samson, and they leaned on Samson so much in the fourth quarter. We'll get to his stats in that quarter in a second, but... Joe Milton knew to get the ball to him. He knew Samson was hot. He was making the correct reads. He wasn't just dumping it off to Samson just to do it. You know, Samson was in yep. space. He was making smart decisions. And I thought that was really impressive. And, and certainly it wasn't like, it, look, he had 18 completions for 228 yards. So it wasn't like everything was down the field. But uh, not as many screen passes or just quick hitter RPOs as it yeah. was in a lot of earlier games this season when he had high completion percentages and not a ton of yards. Uh, I'll just sum it up with this for John Milton's night. It felt like he was a really good game manager, which is what he needed to be. To me, yeah, and yeah. I think that's the mo, right? Yeah. Uh, of his play style. That's I think what that's what he needs. Yes, that's what we we know, and I don't think there's a lot, you know, more to expect from that. You know, you know what it's going to kind of be. 
Guys, going back to last week's game, Tennessee's running backs in particular struggled against Alabama, in particular the second half. They were able to they were able to be bottled up by the Tide's defense. Not today, though. Uh, you can read me out some of the stats, but but Jalen Wright knocking off that 52-yard run to start the game, Tennessee's first offensive drive, I thought that was a massive tone setter. Right, That was Tennessee coming out and saying, we know you can run the ball, but we're going to run the ball as well. Right, and We're going to do it better. Jalen Wright was able to get that 52-yarder. Uh, he, he comes up and adds about 70 more throughout the game. Dylan Sampson adds 76 of his own. Uh, Jamari Small at 32, and then Joe Milton, like Ryan said, with 26, uh, with a couple sacks in there. I, I, I thought that Tennessee's running backs did a really good job of kind of responding after the challenging performance of last week. Yeah, we talked about how good Joe Milton was, but I mean, I really feel Dylan Sampson was the MVP of the fourth quarter and was probably the biggest reason Tennessee was able to put the game away like they did, and it didn't get too high stressful uh, there at the end. Jalen Wright, as Rick mentioned, was incredible in the first three quarters. I don't even think he played in the fourth quarter. Josh Heupel said he got mixed so. up. So I don't think he had a snap in the fourth quarter. Uh, but then Dylan Sampson has his number called and balls out. His fourth quarter stats, just real quick, 12 rushes, 57 yards, and a touchdown. Had rushes of 12 yards and 24 yards, the 12 being the touchdown run. And then he also caught three passes for 34 yards, had a catch of 11 yards and a catch of 17 yards. Breaking tackles pretty much in like half a dozen of those plays. Too. <laughs> uh, he was impossible to bring down and for a small guy that's really impressive. The combination of Wright and Sampson tonight was just so good. Definitely. Uh, two, you mentioned the, the broken tackles, two huge plays that come to mind. The touchdown run, again, we talked just mentioned it a minute ago, Tennessee has not been able to finish drives. With touchdowns, he breaks maybe not two tackles, but two guys kind of go low on him, and he avoids both of them at the same time and scores. That feels huge because Tennessee got first and goal at the one-yard line. You're holding your breath with this offense at this point. <laughs> yeah. uh, so that was big. And then, again, to start that last drive, I think it was the second play. I think he ran for five or six yards on first down. It's a quick little screen pass to him. He looked dead in the water. He was going to get – tackled for a gain of nothing, and then immediately Tennessee was going to be in a you know, massive, massive third and five play with the game not completely on the line, but you're putting your defense in a tough spot in a night they've struggled if you don't get that. Instead, Samson doesn't go down on that second down play, gets six yards and a, six or seven yards and gets the first down. So both of those plays were, were huge for sure. And one thing on the offensive note, Dante Thornton. Yeah, I mean, I, I it's a great play. Wrote him yeah. for dead uh, going into this game. I felt like we're not going to see this guy again. You wrote him off, but he didn't write back. He did. <laughs> That's exactly right. Great way to put it. He gets to start out wide. You know, we've been talking. We haven't really seen him out wide, but they've said he can play there. But well, we saw him out wide exclusively tonight. Um, wasn't like he was amazing, but obviously had the one 47-yard catch that more credit to Joe Milton than to Dante Thornton on that play, but still good yak. I thought he did a good job making – uh, or getting the yards that were available on that one. So an interesting development. Um, and, and, hey, no no drops for him tonight, which feels yeah. like an improvement on – he's been playing 10 snaps yeah. in a lot of these games, and he seems to always have a drop. So yeah. uh, a good game for him tonight as well. I would agree. I, I'm, I'm really interested to see what his continued usage now looks like after yeah, getting the start on the outside. I think that's going to change some things moving forward. I would imagine they might be a little bit experimental against UConn coming up next weekend for homecoming. Uh, but, Ryan, one thing I kind of wanted to hit on real quick, I'm looking over at your computer here, and I see this right here, uh, current drive stats. And this is talking about the very last drive of the game. Nine plays, 51 yards, 4 minutes and 24 seconds time of possession. I believe you asked Josh Heupel about this kind of in his press conference today, just 
you asked him, hey, how satisfying was that to be able to have a, a moment like that where you're looking at, at a, I, I guess, what is that, a, a two-point game at the time, maybe? No, it was a six-point game. Okay, so it's still the six-point game. Uh, but be able to chew up more than four minutes of clock. You, you've seen Tennessee have drives that last 30 seconds sometimes. What did you think of just the way that they were able to execute there at the end? Well, I mean, it was obviously really, really important. And we, I think we've talked about two of the bigger plays with the little screen pass to Sampson and, and Milton with the run out, out wide. I mean, those were, were massive, massive plays. And, you know, that shows how well Tennessee ran the ball tonight. You know, saying you ran for 254 yards is always impressive. But on that drive... Tennessee knew that they were going to run the ball. Kentucky knew that Tennessee was going to run the ball. Jack, Rick, and Ryan, and <laughs> however, 65, I don't know how many people, this stadium, Kroger Field seats, everybody knew Tennessee was going to run the ball. And Tennessee was able to run the ball, uh, I believe on eight of those nine plays, uh, run the clock out. And look, you go back to even two years ago, uh, I don't know how many people will remember this, but one of the big criticisms of Tennessee's offense, and obviously at that point, we're just, this is brand new, hype offense. Figuring it out. Yeah. Was they struggled in four minutes when they had to slow the game down yeah. and get to drive the football down the field in these moments? They were not very good that season, and obviously last year Tennessee's offense was good at literally everything they did, so it wasn't a problem then. For them to do that tonight uh, again, when Kentucky knew they were going to run the ball, and with a quarterback who one of his biggest weaknesses has just been the awareness and the consistency and the ability to do the little things that usually you think about, those are super important in, in those drives. And, and look, again, he only threw one pass, and it was a screen pass, but he had a couple runs. Uh, Milton was good on that job, that drive of getting Tennessee in the right spot, and uh, I thought that was a, a really impressive drive. And again, on a night where uh, the defense was not very good, Tennessee, and certainly not against the pass, which Kentucky would have been doing, uh, Tennessee really – Wanted to finish that drive right there, and as Josh Heibel says, it's always always a great feeling when you can finish the game with your offense on the field. Such a common saying is, oh, we got to execute at a high level. All the guys execute at a high level. It feels like everyone says that. Well, you know, when you think about what Tennessee was able to do, they just played really smart football. And I, I think that is just one of the most positive takeaways, and you just touched on it a little bit, is that Tennessee just did pretty much everything the way you were supposed to do it down the stretch. And that's the makings of a really good football team, and with all the ups and downs that have gone on this year, they're not the most talented roster still. To see that was very encouraging. Yeah, and even expanding on that a little bit, I just felt like Tennessee did what they needed to do at the situations that they were coming up against. I mean, you look at the game, Tennessee went in the first quarter, Tennessee was up 10-0 after the end of that first 15, which means that Kentucky outscored them 27-23 over the next you know, remaining, I guess, what is that, 45 minutes or so. So and in the back half of the game, each team only scores 10 points in the second half. They kind of reverse their scoring between the third quarter and the fourth quarter with a field goal and a touchdown. But again, you saw Tennessee, to me, be able to step up and kind of play play the game to win in these different situational uh, moments. Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly it. Situational football was just really good, and that's what I was saying. Just being able to play smart and do everything at a high level when you needed to do it. And you look at the defense, too. You know, when Tennessee, when Kentucky scored to go down two points, 26-24, then Tennessee gets the ball back, and it was a quick punt. It felt like all the momentum was on Kentucky's side and that if they were able to put together another strong offensive drive, it could be trouble. But then I believe that was the drive they missed the field goal, yep. and that was so huge that Tennessee was able to hold them to a long field goal, 53-yarder, 
Guy misses it, uh, Raynor misses it, and to me that was the point in the game where it really felt like Tennessee, as long as they did everything right, could close it out, and they did. A hundred percent, and I guess I'll start by saying, you know, we talk about it, or at least I talk about it, we as media joke about coach speak all the time. I have Ryan Shumpert speak of, of things that I like to say a lot, but one of them being just how small the margins are in football, and that's two games now where... Early in the fourth quarter, Tennessee's opponent has had uh, about a 50-yard field goal with a chance to take the lead. Yep. And it look, Tennessee was probably more well-equipped to win tonight because its offense played a lot better than it did at A&M if that kick had gone in. But it didn't. And to your point, at that point in the game, it felt like Tennessee's offense was, was scuffling a little bit. It was not playing great in the second half. They'd had a bad drive right before. They were struggling to block uh, once – who was it? Uh, John Campbell got hurt uh, yeah. early in the third quarter, and for them to immediately respond into, you know, it wasn't necessarily stepping on Kentucky's neck and putting the game away, but it firmly took control of the game. And uh, at that point, once they scored that touchdown, when that was the Dylan Sampson 12 yard touchdown run we were discussing earlier, it felt really, really unlikely, or Kentucky was definitely playing from behind to try to win. In a game where Kentucky trailed the entire game, Tennessee took a lead, what, four minutes in? Yep, first offensive drive. It never really, I mean, it never really felt like Kentucky was, oh, they're trailing. They're got to really, really fight their way back uh, to come back in this one. It, it felt like anytime Tennessee got two possessions, Kentucky immediately got it back yep. to one possession. Um, so while Tennessee was in control of the whole game, I don't think there was really a moment in the game where it felt like, yeah, Tennessee is definitely going to win this one. Until it was over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely agree with you guys. Gentlemen, any other kind of final thoughts on the games today, on anything that we might have missed along the way? I think we hit a lot of the points so far, but anything else you guys still want to mention? Uh, I'll mention we talked about it a little bit in the lead-in of how it felt like you know there was more higher scoring game than the score would indicate. Well, there were... Three drives for Tennessee that they didn't score on. One of them was they iced the clock at the end, and they, you know, if there wasn't a 10-second runoff, they probably would have made a field goal and scored on it. Yeah. And there were four for Kentucky, and those were two of them were the first two drives of the game. So it, once after, once the first, I don't know, 10 minutes of this game was over, it, it just felt like any team finding a way to get a stop was going to be huge. And Tennessee, this defense, even though it struggled and it wasn't particularly good in the red zone, it didn't get a big hold late. And it did get to a big turnover on downs in this game that were really, really big moments. Yeah, yeah that, that second quarter was wild. I mean, it was three points here, seven 30. points here, three points here, three points there. Second quarter was nuts. Yeah, I think it was 30 combined points in the second quarter. And in the first half, the team scored for 507 offensive yards. So <laughs> That's crazy. That's wild. Second quarter was a fun time if you like offense. But, yeah, you go back to just these teams and their offense doing well. I mean, even that Kentucky drive that was lasted over 10 minutes, got deep into Tennessee territory, turned it over on downs. So there were a lot of drives that, you know, were getting into an enemy territory, and Tennessee's defense just was better at holding So yeah. in yeah. the end. Gentlemen, Tennessee moves to 6-2 and two on the season after a 33-27 win over Kentucky right here in Lexington's Kroger Field. We are going to be back here in the middle of the week. We'll be coming back uh, uh, during our normal day, Thursday, so be looking for the podcast on Thursday afternoon. We'll come back. We'll talk about this game. We'll talk about the UConn game coming up this Saturday, what we want to see from Tennessee in a little bit of a... A little bit of a breather game. We'll see how that goes. But certainly we'll be back later on in the week to talk about that. Uh, otherwise, make sure you're going and checking out RockyTopInster.com as we will continue to put up all of our news, notes, and coverage from the game today over there. Gentlemen, anything else on the way out? 
Uh, Ryan had the tweet of the night. <laughs> oh, good old Ryan. I'll, I'll explain. So, Ryan posts his post-game story, as he always does, after the game on the RTI account. And, little slip-up with the caption, as the caption read, just a second. Tennessee never trailed, but it was never easy. Ask the Vols held on to beat Kentucky and Lexington. And then he says, for a quick takeaway. So, obviously, ass instead of as. Yeah. And... You know, the people uh, found it. The Rocky Top Insider followers had a great time with it, and it and turned into caption of the night, a fan favorite caption for tonight. Congratulations, Ryan Shepard. People, Thank people you. loved it. Hang the banner. Yeah, the, the, people <laughs> loved it. And the funny thing is, y'all, you guys told me about this. You might get a raise right as I, uh, right as I walked in here uh, after using the bathroom to record. Honestly, looking back, y'all should have just not said anything and then brought it up at the end and said, "All right, did you did yeah. you know about your mistake?" <laughs> no, I had no idea. There was. As there often is in games that are super close like this, with the takeaways, you got, I had like five takeaways written, and there's a lot of stuff to clean up. So I was trying to do a lot of stuff quick and to try to get down the, the post game, which I didn't even make it in time. I was a little bit late uh, to Josh Heifel's press conference. So bad, uh, <laughs> bad miscue by myself, but uh, everybody takes it a little bit better after a win. Yeah, yeah. Every, was, everyone loved it too. Like everybody loved it. It was people, a positive, net positive. People loved it. People. Probably got more traction on the uh, people seeing the exactly. tweet and uh, hopefully clicking on the link. I think it certainly <laughs> might have. Guys, we started this podcast on Saturday. We're ending it on Sunday. How, how about that? How does that sound? That, that feels like about uh, wrapping up a 7 p.m. Uh, game right here in Lexington. So we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. We'll go get it posted so you can be listening to it, which, hey, you are right now. But we're also going to go and put up more work over on RockyTopInsider.com. If you want to check out all of our work, you can head over to RockyTopInsider.com or you can follow at RockyTopInsider on all different social media platforms. That would be Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. If you want to follow Jack Foster, you can do that at Jack Foster Media. If you want to follow Ryan Shumpert, that's at rshump 0 S-C-H-U-M-P. And if you want to follow myself, you can do that at Rick underscore Butler. But of course, just making sure you're checking out Rocky Top Insider every single day for the best Tennessee news, notes, and coverage. Gentlemen, we got some more work to go finish, so let's go ahead and do that. Hey, by the way, in case you're listening to this on a Sunday morning, head back over to RockyTopInsider.com because we have live coverage. Tennessee basketball is in Lansing, Michigan, East Lansing, I should say, for an exhibition matchup with number four Michigan State. How about that? A top 10 exhibition game in the middle of October. Well, at the end of October, but still pretty cool. So we will have you fully covered on that. That's coming up later today on Sunday. Otherwise, we got more work to do. Thank you so much for listening to the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass podcast. We'll see you back next week. Number 21 Tennessee defeats Kentucky by a score of 33-27 to at Kroger Field.